Welcome back to another edition, second half edition of the Warriors All 82 podcast and blowout loss with very little, um, you know, competitive juice to it. Clippers dominated the Warriors, but certainly not, uh, you know, a a game without storylines. And Tim Kawakami is on to discuss... um, you know the James Wiseman benching game, basically, and you know. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about the Brad Wanamaker benching game. I thought oh, that's well, we, we can get to that. <laughs> and Damian Lee, basically, there you go. He, there he you actually go. did have a sighting at, at, uh, in the second half, but um, you know this game will be defined by the decision to bench James Wiseman, and that goes back six days essentially. You know, they they Friday uh, of the All Star break, he gets back home. He's mentally obviously pretty exhausted from the end of that first half and forgets to go to his coronavirus test on Friday, forgets on Saturday, is reminded, goes Sunday, goes Monday, they get to L.A., and the team is alerted, hey, he missed those. That means he can't practice on Wednesday. And I think one thing that's been forgotten here a little bit is, like, this was an important practice for the Warriors. They were completely changing their rotation up. Um, He was going to be in a second unit and will be in a second unit with Mannion and Poole who he, he's about to get to know how to play with but hasn't really played much with. So they were going to do some of that in practice. I think he might have started if he was just at practice too as well. Um, and the fact that he missed that, I can completely understand why he's then not in the starting lineup. Um, I was a little surprised he just benched him completely. particularly, And really, it was, he benched him for the first half. Um, and they got pummeled in those minutes that he wasn't out there, really by Zubach. Uh, and so he he would have helped. So maybe that leads somewhat to the loss. I think they were going to lose anyways. We need to get into their disastrous performance overall beyond Wiseman. But where are you at on the Wiseman situation? Because that's clearly the story of the night. Yeah, I mean, it's the dynamic. It's the dynamic of Wiseman and Steve Kerr, who's, you know, doing some tough love. Dynamic of Wiseman, you know, in, in this championship context, which Curry, Steph, talked about after, which I thought was pretty interesting. I'm Depending on what you've written already, I might write about some of this uh, tomorrow. Uh, but also the dynamic of Wiseman trying to figure out how to be a good NBA player. I mean, I, I think all these things are happening at once. The Warriors are trying to do, you know, their best to, you know, push him, coddle him, nudge him, you know, urge him, encourage him. Uh, but you know, it's it's different. It's a, just a different situation. They haven't had a player like this in, in this run, where this you know the super talented, super young, going to make mistakes, but they desperately need them, uh, and, and they're just trying to coax this play out of them as fast as they can. And there was a bump. He misses a COVID, and and they miss a practice. Yeah, it did sound like they were mo- very mad about him not going to practice. Like that was the problem. He was unavailable for practice. Uh, those are the words of the you know Curry mentioned and and, Kurt, and, and Kerr Kurt. did like unavailable, like, unavailable. Like, you were not available to us. Kurt, Kerr said it hurt the team. Yep. And so you know you can all make your judgment on what, what that means, and you can say that Kerr's being too tough on him. Uh, I think it's a matter of the locker room. He's always thinking about the locker room, and we'll see. You know if. If they don't like it, if this is a, a major issue, uh, we'll, we'll find out. It didn't look like it in the fourth quarter. I, I think, you know, the story is the decision. The story is we're all reacting to no Wiseman out there, them getting pummeled, and as you said, in the minutes that he didn't play, and that he would have. 
but also he gets back in the game in the fourth quarter and plays great, right? He plays fantastically. Yeah. It, it, it really did alter the story of the yes. night somewhat. Yes. I mean, the blowout, which we'll get to, the decision, which we're you know in the middle of discussing now but like if he comes out and he's not good in the fourth or if you know the other decision would be don't even play him in the fourth at all basically use it as a game suspension in a sense where he's still getting paid but you know you bench him for the game it would have you know this would have been a more dragged out critical discussion the fact that he comes out and goes for 14 and 7 in the fourth and is like rebounding better than we've seen him rebound since before the wrist injury and maybe even at all i mean seven rebounds in one quarter he led the, he led the warriors in rebounds tonight by the way he, he was, was sna- he was snagging them out of the air he was yeah. like which he hasn't been yeah. doing yeah. no it changed the tenor but yeah. I, I, and, and you know what else you know what else changed the tenor yeah. by the way james wiseman stepping up to the zoom uh call and answering every question you know not you know not at length but he's again he's, yeah, he's not Draymond yeah, Green yeah, exactly. out there, he, but he's facing it. He yeah. he could have easily blown off that. Just I'm not doing it, whatever. And they you know, oh yeah, he's left, whatever, could have given him an excuse. And whether they, you know, kind of pushed him out there, which is not their style, or whether he decided to go out there himself, which I think is probably mostly it, that that changed the story too, right? I mean if you had a Angry. Well, in a, in a pandemic year, it's always different. Like you, you could have in a non-pandemic situation, Anthony Slater would have been at that game and would have been looking for him in the locker room. And if he ducks out, that's a big deal. Uh, if he talks, it's it, it's an it's an interesting note. And you know who didn't talk post game? Uh, Draymond after he got exactly, ejected. Exactly. Exactly. And it's happened before, and it's happened with other players. And James Wiseman at 19 and probably the lowest moment of his NBA career. Steps up there at the time that everyone wants to talk to him, and he talks and, and is fine about it, and is calm and is rational and accepts responsibility. He's not throwing himself under the bus. He's not saying he's the stupidest player ever, but he said I'm accountable. And you know, he said it was a little thing, but everything counts. Everything matters. Curry said that everything matters, and, and you have to understand that. Or I guess it was Curry said that. But uh, one of my first times on a full Zoom call, so I get a little confused here this season. I've been skipping them, and I was on the whole deal this time. Uh, I thought that, this? but that changed the story too. Yeah. It absolutely changes the tenor of what you're thinking about this. Or if he gets up there and he's, you know, sulking and he's mumbling, that's different. And, and it wasn't. He was up there and he was like, "Hey, I know, I, I know what my responsibilities are, and it will never happen again." We'll see. Again, you can say it and things change. You don't know. Well, that's um, the thing. I mean, we always like almost like rewrite stories based on like where they go. Essentially where, um, you know, where Wiseman's correct is this very much is a little thing. If he, you know, backs this game up with five more straight terrific games and then suddenly, you know, we're talking about a developing, advancing rookie who's like having a great second half. Well, you know, no, we're right about we're right about turning point. This was a turning point. Yeah, well, you know? let's let's try to, you know, I even said in my post game, I'm not going to credit Kerr for like sparking this at all. Now, Wiseman clearly did play with more motivation, more yeah. anger. I mean, I think that the your the words they use, you know, he was you know, embarrassed probably um, by the entire situation. And, you know, he, he Kirk could have put him in the second quarter. He probably would have stayed, had, had that mentality. He might have helped him win more. Yeah. Although I think they're losing regardless. Yeah. And I don't think Wiseman's changing the. Yeah, they weren't blowout, winning. I think they was weren't a, winning those moments, yeah. those minutes. I think it was Kawhi Leonard and you know. Yeah, Paul I think it was a thirty-nine point lead at one point. Um, but you know, it also. You, 
Jordan Bell is a great example, right? Jordan Bell is the candle situation in Memphis, and that's like the the beginning of the end, or you know, almost kind of near the end of Jordan Bell by that point. But it became the defining. I mean, still in a ways is a defining moment of Jordan Bell's really uh, you know stagnant NBA career. That Andrew Bogut's going. I think he went on KMBR and like detailed the whole thing the other day. He's kind of followed Jordan Bell, um, but a lot of that is because it hasn't worked out for Jordan Bell in the NBA. If Wiseman just brushes this off as tonight, you know, step one he seemed to, um, and explodes from here, even if it's a slow explosion, but at least you know goes further. This won't matter. And it is small. You know, um, what, you know what the other factor is? He's really good. Um, you know, I mean, he good. good tonight. Yeah, I mean, he's he's incredibly talented player. Hasn't been good every game. <clears throat> Certainly, we've seen moments where he didn't deserve a lot of minutes. But his athleticism, his length, his you know speed. It's just he's a different kind of. He's, you know, again, Jordan Bell, whatever. And Jordan Bell probably had a you know a worse approach to everything than, than anything we've seen out of Wiseman. But he's just better. He's be- he's better than anybody. He's better than Damian Jones. He's better than anybody they've had. And that that is a difference too, right? That's I think that's part of what they're going through here is he's so good, so talented for what he is. 19-year-old you know, player who's only played three college games and all those things. But they also don't want to just have say, "Hey, you're so great, go just do whatever." Like they they they're worried about that part of it. You have you have to be disciplined. You have to follow the rotations. You have to, and I think that's the push and pull with this guy. He's like, if he was Jordan Bell, what the hell? Who cares? He's not Jordan Bell. He's he's like ten times better than Jordan Bell. And there's they got to harness this. They've got to figure out what to do with it. They've got to figure out how to point him in the right direction. And I don't think he's gone in the wrong direction. It's just make sure he's taking big steps instead of half steps or minor steps. And the fourth quarter, again, you know, we ch- you said we change our minds in the middle of it, the stories, but that's what happens. Things happen. Things develop. New evidence is presented. And that fourth quarter was pretty, you know, again, it's not against, you know, Ibaka, and it's not against even Zubac, but it was still Zubac was out there for some. Well, yeah, he's but just, it's him running rampage out there. I, I think I did see him against Patrick Patterson, the, but 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 he wasn't even it didn't matter what body was near him he wasn't getting rebounds next to bodies recently and and suddenly was and then it's also the 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 aggressive hunting of the jumper from you know he had a deep uh you know top of the key three obviously he hits kind of like a baseline i think it was maybe a foot on the line on that one I, i can't remember if that was a three um and also he's playing with Manning and pool which we can get to but the last thing i want to say on the uh you know the Kerr decision and if it should be criticized i i think maybe it went more public than i think it probably should have but i don't know that that was initially the plan i mean this is how it played out so they get to practice they obviously practice without him the team hasn't said anything the league told them day of practice like hey he cannot practice um, and then, you know, Kerr's answering a bunch of questions on his initial Zoom, which includes like, yeah, Ubre's fine. He's going to play. He practiced after the wrist. Maybe three or four other questions about like Steph All-Star Weekend, whatever. And then I asked him, you know, hey, did you have any issues with the intake process? I mean, this is around the league was going to be a question, right? You had a lot of players come back from Miami, vacation, whatever. You know, have, has there been any issues in the testing? And he's like, yeah, James missed his test, so he couldn't practice today. Um, and then obviously, boom, that becomes like a story online. You don't even know if he's going to play, although it became clear the Warriors kind of knew he was probably going to play. Obviously, then him 
benching him, although he didn't say pregame. I was surprised he didn't maybe announce it pregame. So there was some kind of warning. So it didn't become this like dragged out social media like, oh, Wiseman's still not out there. Oh, Wiseman's still not out there. Oh, I guess he's disciplining him. Um, So I'm not sure the messaging was terrific. But at the same time, I completely understand the decision in a veteran locker room to do it because, first of all, it's it's one game. Um, And you're already – telling Brad Wanamaker and Damian Lee, who whatever you think about their performance this year, those are respected veterans in a, an older locker room. You've told them they're not in the rotation anymore. They're not. And then also, if Wiseman was going to start, which I think he might have, you were going to then kind of bench Looney too. Um, and you would have been doing that for a guy who had just literally just missed a practice and slipped up on a testing process that every single other person in the organization had been doing. Um, so... I could see telling that veteran locker room, hey, he's going to face a half, you know, one half of one game in a 72-game schedule. I don't know if the messaging was right, but I certainly don't, like, think this – like, this isn't some, you know, Draymond Durant fallout coming from this. This is a very minor infraction and really kind of a very minor punishment too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, we're all watching it. It's national TV. It's the first game back from the second – you know, in the second half. It's – they're changing the rotation, and Wiseman's going to get more. You know, it's just one of those things. It's the conversation, and you know I hate the reaction to the reaction. It's because you're thinking this. Now you're thinking this other thing. But that's part of it. It's, it's part of the way we see things. It's part of the way we filter things. And they know it. Uh, they understand that. Uh, he's a big deal. Anything with James Wiseman is a big deal. And that's part of the discussion. It's like, oh, my God, you got... You know, Lamelo Ball drafted behind you, having this great season. How does that affect you? Well, it shouldn't affect you, right? You're just playing, trying to play basketball, but it does. You hear about it. You hear people talking about it. Oh, Anthony Edwards and this. And so uh, you just have a lot of things swirling around. No matter what, it's going to be a big story. Yes, they, I mean, Kerr probably could have said, "Hey, we're just not going to play in the first half." He could have said that. Whatever would have made that much of a difference. Just you know, it still would have been a story. We still would have been talking about it. Um, you know, there's another person who's going to lose minutes in this. I'm telling you, right, Eric Pascal is going to lose big minutes in this because he's not going to be the second unit center, and I don't think he's going to be the second unit power forward because it's going to be Juan Toscano Anderson. He just seems to fit better with Wiseman. So, I, you know, Pascal is going to play like four minutes a half, it's looking like to me, six minutes a half maybe. And so then that's another person. Like, he's going to say, okay, yeah, I, I've been here busting my butt for well, two, two I- seasons. I've worked my way from a second-round pick. I've made every test. I've done everything you asked of me, and this guy, you know, whatever he thinks, he could he could say, blows off a test, and then he gets t- gets my minutes, and I get you can understand the thought process there. This is so public. This is a big, like it's a discussion point. I get where people say it's too much, but you can also see because it's so public, because the Warriors are a public team, then you have to do deal with it on a certain level you just have to say here's the standard that we're going to make i, I don't know that if, if that they had done less there would have been a reaction but i think this is a way for them to say okay eric pascal brad wanamaker damian lee steph curry Draymond green the number two overall pick that we've valued and we said was going to play more minutes is going to get held to a standard like everybody on this team is getting held to and i don't think that's wrong We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Somewhat shift into the game. You know, Curry's cold. I think he goes one of eight from three, six of 16 overall. 
Wiggins continues to kind of be quiet, you know. Offensively, he's been very quiet for a while now. They get beat by a much better team. Um, I mostly kind of want to talk about the second unit. That's where they really lost the game initially, that 29 run without Wiseman, where it was Mannion, Poole, uh, Juan Siscano-Anderson, Oubre, and Pascal, uh, and they they got creamed. Um, I... You know, this is going to be breaking news, shocking to you. I know you haven't heard this opinion. I like the fact that he's committing to Poole and Wiseman together in the second unit uh, as a just like pick and roll, pick and pop combo, diving at the rim. I'm a little bit. Um, I mean, where what confuses me is the Mannion part of it. Mannion, I'm not sure is ready for an NBA rotation role. He's, but I believe 19 now, still as well, and. I get that he doesn't think Jordan Poole is a point guard, but I think that's in 2021 NBA a little overblown. He's a shot creator. Um, you can put Wiggins out there who can do a little bit of ball handling. You know, Toscano Anderson. Yeah, Anderson is like a you know mini Draymond. I guess they've called him. Hey, you know, he can, I'm going to claim this one though. You notice that it's Ubre and not Wiggins because. Wiggins and Wiseman, their numbers are horrendous together. Yeah, uh, I saw you yeah, put that number. I, well, I'm not surprised that they, they're trying to split Wiggins and Wiseman. I can't explain why this is the case, but it's unbelievable how bad they are together. Like the, the Steph numbers are tanking only specifically when he's with Wiseman and Wiggins. And you pull him out of that, and he's okay or good. So it's just... Like, I get it. They're going to put... Ooh, so, what they did... Here's what happened that second unit. They changed it to kind of fit it around Wiseman, which put Ubre in there, and which put Poole in there, and then you took Wiseman out of it. And Pascal and Juan Toscano Anderson does not work. It does not no. work as a, as a front court at all. So, well, that's become one of the issues with Pascal. Is he, yeah. he doesn't really work with Draymond. He doesn't really work with Wiseman. He doesn't really work with Looney. Now you're saying he doesn't really work with JTA. Like, he almost has to be alone, and I'm not sure he's performed... I know he hasn't really performed well enough. That's why they're changing the second unit to where they they feel like they have to get him alone. So that's where he's kind of becoming the odd man out. Um, I think it should be pool three wings Wiseman. It's clearly going to be. He said it tonight. Steve Kerr is committed to pool Mannion Wiseman. Now probably with Ubre and JTA is is the guess of uh, the other two. But clearly those are the three young developmental area minutes. Um, again, I like. The idea of it, I've I've been a proponent of it for a long time now with Poole and Wiseman. I'm just not sure I get the Mannion part of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, hey, is is Nico Mannion better than Brad Wanamaker? I don't think so. I mean, Brad Wanamaker is having a terrible I mean, he, season, but he's he worth- theoretically has a better future. You yeah. know, if you are committing to development, I mean, I get getting Mannion minutes over Wanamaker, who's probably going to be gone. I, I think he's season. significantly worse than Brad Wanamaker, even with Wanamaker having a bad year. So it's going to be hard to have positive minutes when you have a non-NBA level player. And I'm, I'm, I think Diego Manion could be an NBA level player, but he is not one now. Wanamaker is barely an NBA level player. I, I will admit that part of it. But if you just went Wanamaker, Poole, JTA, Ubre slash Wiggins, and Wiseman, I think you have a better shot at it. I really do. Because Manion's not a good defensive player. I mean, he's clearly not a good defensive player. Wanamaker gives you some minutes. They're not going to do it. I understand why they're not going to do it. But it's just a huge drop-off when you're going to go Okay, you know, who would we put with Poole? Is it Damian Lee or Nico Mannion? It should be Damian Lee. It's absolutely, I mean, everybody who was watched this team would say it's got to be Damian Lee. But because you need a point guard, 
uh, and they don't think Jordan Poole is a point guard, then but do, you know, I we both understand that that's the reasoning. Yeah. Do you agree? Like, I'm not sure. I don't. Yeah, agree. I, don't I, I think you got. I think Damian Lee can play a little point guard. I think. I think Poole can. I mean, I think. I guess Kerr's just worried. Like, you know, they put pressure on Pet. Put Patrick Beverly to start the second quarter, and he's just going to take the ball away from from Jordan Poole three straight times. It's possible, but I want to see it, and I think it would be dangerous in other ways. And I think you don't get anything other than possibly get you in the offense a little bit better with Nico Mannion, but you lose it on the defensive side, and he's not a good shooter. So I'm not quite sure that's the best way. And, and then you put him in that second unit, and nobody's shooting, you get 20-9 to 9, uh, in, in, in the second quarter. And I think they, they scored like a three at the end, right? It really was like 20-6. to six. Uh, It just it doesn't work. Again, with Wiseman, okay, let's see. Let's see how that works with Wiseman. Mannion and Wiseman had a couple pick and rolls at the end of the game, again, you know, against whoever's playing. Mannion, Mannion misses them a little bit more than you want this, like, pure point guard to miss him. He was missing them in Phoenix when yeah. they played a no, bunch no, of minutes together. What he does, at least, is he gets into the action. You see the action happening in a way that sometimes you don't see it happening with some other guards. Like, they just don't get into the action. You know, I guess that would be the case maybe with Wiggins. Like, he just, you'd never get in the action that would free up Wiseman. And Manny at least gets into the action. It just doesn't, he doesn't get the ball to him. But that's all right. You know, I understand it. They're young, want, want to play it out. I just don't think Mannion is an NBA player, and they're going to get hammered sometimes with him out there. So it goes. I'll just say yeah. this. Eric Passel's minutes are going to go way down. I think that's one of the decisions they made, and Eric Passel's minutes are going to go way down. It's just the way it works. Uh, I don't know whether you trade him. or Did you see that con- hear the comment? Like Harlan says, oh, yeah, Steve Kerr is telling us that they're very unhappy with their roster right now, and they're going to be active. Yeah, like, was... what? <laughs> I yeah. He, I don't think he said that, actually, but – if he did, that's interesting. I don't know what they can do. Yeah, I mean, who knows how much that was overblown. They're certainly, like, taking, receiving calls. And- I think he might have been saying, like, we got these two draft picks that we want. <laughs> you know, that's what he was saying. That we got Clay Thompson. He wasn't saying, oh, we can't we can't stand half our roster. We're going to trade it all at the, at the deadline. If, if, if that's what he said and that's what he meant, it's just news to me. Uh, we shall see come up in, in, in a few weeks here. Kerr also had a quote pregame uh, about – they went hard after Batum this mm-hmm. summer. I thought it was interesting that he just laid that out. I mean, I knew they were interested in him, but yeah, the fact you know, that that's he interesting. Publicly he was, was like, I mean, we all like yeah. honesty, but that means you wanted him more than Ubre, I guess. <laughs> You're kind of talking about a player that who's on your roster because you couldn't have got him without you couldn't have had him and Ubre. No, you could because he got bought out. So he, oh, okay, he, okay. you could have got him on the minimum, but I mean, maybe. Sign him over Wanamaker, I guess. No, they could have signed him and then just not had Mulder, you know, cut Mulder. Okay. Or uh, Bazemore, I guess. I guess Bazemore was sort of in that slot. But, yeah, that's a, yeah. I would say, yeah, maybe he would have taken yeah. the Bazemore role. Yeah, but, but hey, uh, you know what? Other than that, tonight, the, the one last subject I wanted to talk about, um, you know, Steph didn't play a good game. I mentioned it. One of eight from three, six of 16 shooting, um, but showed some fire um, that we – haven't seen from him on the sidelines much this season. I mean, like, he's obviously been super engaged in the season, but he was, like, kind of yelling at his teammates. Um, And I believe it was the third quarter when they were just getting just steamrolled, like, to an embarrassing level. Um, And 
they're 19 and 19 now. You know, they, they seem to have some nice momentum. They went four games over 500. They had their first three game winning streak, and they've now followed that up with four straight losses back to 19 19. They have Jazz Lakers coming up, which feels kind of big this back to back they have coming up Sunday, Monday. Um, you know, he's, you know, Steph is kind of the storyline going into the All Star break, right? You know, uh, are they going to try to. It's more of probably an off-season question, but you know, get him more help now. Um, but where, where was your sense of his Zoom post game tonight? What you saw from him on the sidelines, just like where things are at around him. Yeah, right now. he wants him to be better. I think he had a great line. He said like every game this season is like two games. It's like you know, if you lose, it's like you lose two. If you win, it's like you win two. It, it, it you know, there's this, there's this because they're just straddling the line between. You know, 500, a little over 500. Maybe, maybe they're going to drop a little below 500 now. <laughs> it, do, it does feel like there's this overvaluing of every game. Everything is a tragedy or it's, a, it's an incredible triumph. And it's not just another game in the NBA. Sometimes it works that way. And I, I think he's balancing it. He's understanding it. He, he doesn't like when they get clobbered. You know, it's clearly it's, a, it's, it's pride and, and you want that. But I don't think he's thinking, geez, we should be, you know, 27 and 10 right now. And I don't think he's thinking that. Um, they, 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 they know what they have. They know they're not as talented as the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Jazz, and we can probably name three other, four other, five other teams. I'd put Phoenix in there. But um, I don't think he's desperate. I don't think he's panicked. I don't think he's, you know, overly frustrated. I think they're looking to next season. I really do. You can't say it, especially if you're a player. It's, it's you know, you have only so many years that you can play at, at a high level. But they're looking at next year. They just want to get this moving in the right direction this season. Obviously, a huge part of that is Wiseman. That's why we keep talking about him. But they don't want to get drilled like this. They don't want to seem like they can't compete against the best teams. And I think that's where their frustration is. But I'll say it. I think some of it's Andrew Wiggins. It's like, you know, you know, I think they'd like him to show some, you know, at least show some fight. Go out there and, and, and try to go I didn't get notice him tonight. I really just, I mean, I know a lot was going on. And at some point, like, you, you almost lose a little bit of focus of the game because it's like you're not looking for an 8-2 run to swing things. They're getting walloped anyways. But I just he, – he's he's more he's been much more Minnesota-y yep. the last month He's, he's, he's making he, those ridiculous drives to the basket where he just loses the ball, you know, and, and those are killers. And he wasn't really doing – he did it a couple times early in the season, and then he really wasn't doing it where he just – you know, just randomly drive into the lane and get stopped, and the ball's picked out and goes the other way. Uh, I think there's some. You know, I, I'm not gonna say frustrating. I'm not. I'm just gonna say, I think they want to see something out of Wiggins. I think they'd like to you know. Again, uh, we all say that you can't go to the money. They didn't. You know, they understood the money. The money was just part of it. They're just trying to get him to be a complimentary player, play defense. He's still doing that. He's, you know, you. I, I look every time. Kawhi Leonard, who's guarding him? It's Andrew Wiggins. There's responsibility there. There's value there. But when that offense is bogged down, like it was in the first quarter for a little while, and like it certainly has been, when Wiggins is playing the second unit, which he's out of it now, they, just, they want to see something other than just stand in the corner and wait for Pascal to do something. Like, you know, how many times are they just like standing around or Steph's double team and he's flailing around looking for somebody and it's just Wiggins standing there. Pass to Wiggins, he passes right back out. You don't want it. I think there is some focus on that within the team saying, okay, all right, we've given you plenty of space. We've not put pressure on you. 
but when the time comes, it would be nice to go get three buckets here, you know, just, just once in a while and not like just one, you know, one basket every, you know, every six minutes and then maybe you get a three and then you can't count on you for the rest of the game. It is contrary to what they say they're going to do. <laughs> we have to recognize that. But I do think there is someone like, like this guy's got all this talent. This guy is number one overall pick. This guy is, is you know, a tremendous athlete, can do a lot of things. And sometimes he just does nothing on the floor. And with some defense, should just say nothing. But offensively, it's nothing. And sometimes it's awkward. It's, the, you know, it's those line drive, you know, 14-footers that have no chance to make it. Uh, that's a little weird. It's a little weird. It's the Minnesota Wiggins. They have to go through it. They got about 22 games of the really good Wiggins, and now they're getting about 12 games of the non-really good Wiggins. Just maybe that's the part of this life of Wiggins. Somewhat big back-to-back, like I said, coming up, Jazz Lakers. Yeah, I think they're going to lose both. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, at this, I mean, I don't know why you would guess differently. I I think, look, they're going to get two good practice. They're supposed to practice both days, Friday, Saturday. I assume one will be a hard practice. Uh, I obviously am very curious to see how Wiseman comes out. Can he back this up with another, you know, kind of invigorated performance? They're at home. They will come out with a sense of desperation. I mean, if the Jazz are going to just have one of those games like they did in Utah, because the Warriors were to just, you know, make every three in the first quarter, yeah, the Warriors are going to lose that game. And uh, the Am Lakers, I looking at this right? Is this a 1 o'clock game on Sunday? Yes. On Daylight Savings Time Day? Move clutch for. I didn't even think about the daylight saving time. <laughs> I yes. said there's going to be some players who are going to be a little sleepy for this game. I will tell you. I said if I, I when I was covering the Lakers and there was a situation like that, I would tell you Shaquille O'Neal is going to score like 11 points today, and I was always correct. Watch that mm-hmm. game, daylight savings time, one o'clock start. Woo, that's a brutal one. Yeah, but you know, even if they do lose both these games. Uh, it matters how they play in both these games, right? I mean, like, they lost to the Clippers tonight. It Like, that wasn't an eight-point inspiring loss. That was a bad loss. And I just, you know, generally we just want to see where things are trending with this team. And coming out of the break, you were curious how it was tonight, and not well. Um, now, Wiseman tilts the storyline a little bit back to, hey, you know, if he can be that on a semi-regular basis the next couple of months, that – is more important than, you know, a couple wins here and there for, for the complexion of, of where things are going. So we'll see. Odd night, um, but many more to come. I'll tell you what, again, I've said it all season. This has not been a boring Warrior season. <laughs> this, is, this is unlike any Warrior season in a long time because, you know, they've had the, the five chips of the finals. It wasn't like this. Uh, even before that, uh, it was last season. Obviously, was terrible. Before that, they were a decent team. And, you know, maybe like the second Mark Jackson season would be the closest approximation to this. Um, and that's a long time. That's a long time ago uh, to go. You know, just every game, it's a reassessment, it's a recalibration. They're, they stink. No, they're good. No, they stink. No, they're good. Uh, makes it very interesting, and it, it raises the uh, the pulse rate of the fan base a little bit. We won't talk about that anymore, but it sure does do that. I'll, we can all tell that part. Which is fun. <laughs> I enjoy it all, and I'm going to enjoy this Jazz Lakers back-to-back coming up. and Especially after nine months without games. Although I did cover the Lakers playoffs. <laughs> Lakers. I'm just Lakers. Wait a minute, are you covering a Lakers game for the Lakers, or are you covering the Warriors? That's, that's, a, that's a good question. 
Well, you know, we'll see how far the Warriors, or if the Warriors make the playoffs, I might have to, to uh, get back on my side job at some point. But um, uh, I, we'll talk after the Jazz game. Sunday afternoon, you mentioned it. Weird start time, and uh, we'll talk to you then.